Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. gentlemen and welcome into the video game lounge podcast i am one of your hosts john haig alongside the dagger to my zidane mr andrew richards and the otacon to my sniper wolf mr kevin driscoll how are we doing today fellas obviously in love i'm doing this every time i host just be ready (laughs) just be ready i don't think i ever will be (laughs) i see you in bed just like writing little anecdotes Oh, dude, I have, like, the next five planned out. Sniper Wolf to Otacon. That's so genius. All right, welcome in, guys. We're so happy that you are here. I'm so excited. It's our first episode. Um, If you guys listen to our episode zero, you know what today is. Today is our respective top ten video game moments. Before we get to them, I would like to say first, I'm going to preface our list with two things that... Not all the memories that are going to be shared are necessarily gameplay, but are at least game-related. And two, there will be spoilers. So if you haven't played these games, maybe you want to after this. So just be forewarned that some of these games are older, some of these games are kind of new-ish. Just need to get that out of the way. I will pass it on to Mr. Kevin Driscoll. How are you doing today, bro? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. We're uh, recording a little early today. Generally, it's going to be a, a nighttime recording. So right now, I'm just sipping on some H2O. You know, got to clear the pipes, as so would, one would say. Water sucks. <laughs> it really, really hey, sucks. Hey, 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 hey. I got the coffee here because I need the jitters. We will be recording in the morning sometimes, depending on the schedules. Uh, most of the time, we will be trying to record at night. So where we would usually start the show with a what you drinking, we're pretty much all drinking water and or <laughs> lemonade. But I will say, earlier this week, I had my first Guinness Blonde, and I was not disappointed. I actually really enjoyed it. thought it was pretty good. Had it at a baseball game this past Sunday, and uh, as far as... As far as ballpark beers go, pretty damn good. Uh, Kevin, what have you been drinking lately? Uh, actually, last night I drank some uh, some hard cider. You know, wanted to get a little crazy, but no. Nah, Joe, my wife had a rough day at work, and obviously, you know, I haven't worked the past couple of days, so my day's been pretty good. But she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna drink." I was like, "All right, well, I guess we're drinking tonight." So we sat down, drank. Uh, I forgot what she had. She doesn't. She doesn't drink the hard apple cider. Uh, she hates apples and loves doctors. I don't know. But I drank the hard apple cider, and we just watched uh, YouTube videos about really terrible cooks who we just we just laughed and laughed. So that was our night. Andrew, what was the what was the last thing you were sipping on? Hopefully it's not like two hours ago. No, I mean, I've been having some late nights at work. So, I mean, I think it might have been an MGD or like a Miller High Life or something like that. Uh but yeah, I mean, if it's not that, it's usually like tequila or rum. Just because I go hard or go home. But usually I'm already home, so it's okay. And now we're going to move on to what you're playing. We'll just name a couple of games that we are currently uh, going through right now. I know for me personally, I've been playing a 
Assassin's Creed hopscotch. <laughs> I've been going back and forth between Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, one of my personal favorites, and also God of War 2018. Freaking love that game. But that is a definite stay tuned. More on that later. Mr. Andrew Richards, what have you been playing lately? Uh, for the most part, um, just I've been doing some Genshin Impact on the PlayStation 4 because I really enjoy the open world, the anime aspect of it, the RPG forms, and uh, whenever I'm bored at work, I may play either some Solitaire or I have the Shining Force from Sega Genesis game on my an app on my phone. So, yeah. How about you, Kev? Uh, so, I'm still working on beating all the main Final Fantasy games this year. So I'm finally getting around to Final Fantasy VI. So I've been playing that. I'm not too far into it. I've only played... Like, I played Final Fantasy VI before, but I only played, like, for an hour or two, so I didn't get too far. I think I'm, like, hour five now. I've got to say, if you guys haven't played Final Fantasy V, major sleeper. That game is amazing. I don't even know why. Like, I just... Like, the story is just, like, not that good. But... The gameplay-wise, it's it's amazing. And then... You've been keeping the, keeping tabs and you've been sharing with your journey through the Final Fantasy experiences. And I have to say, like, it's it's been fun just doing that with you. Like, just hearing the updates, uh, seeing the progress, seeing the you know, the stats, the build-up, the, all right, I've got three out of four crystals. All right, I'm, I'm going through the final dungeon. Oh, crap, I died again. i got to go back and build up more and grind some more. It's going to be longer than I thought. But, I mean, shit, for the uh, start of the year, it's just been, it's been great seeing the progress, seeing your journey, and uh, being a part of that, too. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. That is really cool, and that has actually been the the uh, the reason why I kind of started hopping back into um, the Assassin's Creed games because I was like, "Oh, Driz is going through all of the Final Fantasies," and I um, really wanted to get back into Assassin's Creed. I'm not the biggest fan of the newest ones, but uh, uh, other than Origins, I do like Origins. But yeah, more on that later. Another stay tuned. Have Have you found yourself like? getting tired of any assassin's creed yet because i i haven't like every final fantasy game i feel like it's the same thing but it's also new i guess because of the story and the characters and the you get to see the new sprites of magic so it it doesn't feel old and stale yet to me does it feel old and stale for assassin's creed yet uh there is a sort of you know the assassin's creed like burnout for sure but um i i went back and played a couple of the of, of the games um you know, like Unity kind of got a bad rap, but now it's kind of like the cool thing to go back and play Assassin's Creed Unity. And I think now that that game's been out for like seven years and all the bugs and stuff have been fixed, I think that uh, I'll give it a shot. I, I actually got into Syndicate too. That was the one where you're in like um, London. You're in like the Industrial Revolution in London. And uh, it's actually pretty freaking good. I, I was enjoying that. But uh, like Black Flag's always been in my top two or three um along with brotherhood just the the ability to call down your own assassins from anywhere is like just one of the coolest game mechanics ever so uh i freaking love that assassins assemble admit admit it's not you don't even play black flag you're just 
get on the boat and you start singing. You just start blowing stuff up, man. Yeah. And, and she shanties, the, the sea shanties. There we go. Gosh, I can't speak today. I think it's time we get into our topic time. We are doing our top 10 video game moments. Moments from video games or just memories from video games that we absolutely love and adore. Who wants to start here, fellas? Which one of you should I pick on? No, I'll start it off, man. Uh, I got number 10. Um, an Xbox 360 game, Condemned Criminal Origins. So this game's not too well i don't i don't think it's too well known it was it was a release launch or at least close to it for the xbox 360. you play this detective and you're going around these creepy like i wouldn't say haunted rooms but they're just vacant and they've got hobos and everyone knows how scary hobos are but i remember there's this one point where the bad guy that you're trying to chase uses mannequins and it's a very it's very horror centered game and there's a there's a level where all these mannequins are around you the lights go out and then the mannequins move but then there comes one level where the mannequins you actually have they come to life and you actually have to fight them so you have to pick up these pipes and you have to bash their face in and it's just so creepy watching like because they've been leading up to this moment this whole time where these mannequins are just around you and they're terrifying but they don't do anything so you finally get into like this little fake sense of like security and then all of a sudden one starts moving and starts chasing you and you gotta fight and it's just i remember just being so my heart was my heart was pounding and i was terrified and i was like you know what nah i'm not going out like this and i took up this lead pipe and i started beating their face in that sounds cool. What what year did Condemned come out? I want to say 2006, maybe 2008. What system was that on? Xbox 360. It actually had a sequel with multiplayer. It was it was right around the time where every game had to have multiplayer even if it didn't make sense. And this was one of the games. You they had multiplayer and one person was I think actually, honestly, I think it was just like you beat each other up. Initial release November fifteenth, two thousand and five. Close. <laughs> I must have got it for Christmas or something. All right, Andrew, I'm kind of excited to hear your top, your your number ten here because uh, I I remember playing this game. Let me share with the people your number ten. So my number ten has to be Crackdown. Now, Crackdown for the Xbox three hundred and sixty was. Like GTA meets uh, superhuman abilities, but instead of being on the the wrong side of the law, you were the law. You were a cop that had superhuman abilities, and you go down and you try to stop all of the 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 bad guys and everything all around the town and try to do your achievements. It was it was very much like GTA, but you have these like uncanny abilities and i remember the very first time you could do a super jump that was my memory like the very first like super jump as uh <laughs> in crackdown that was just like euphoria like this is unheard of like the only other time you time you ever got like a uh, superhuman ability game that was fun was playing like spider-man 2 on the original xbox when it was web slinging around town 
But no, this was actually like, I'm leaping in an open world that's similar to GTA. And uh, that sticks with me. What about you, John? That's awesome. All right. I wanted to come in with a game that I absolutely love at my number 10 spot here. I'm going with Fallout 3 from 2008. Just an incredible game. I think I spent probably somewhere between 110 to 130 hours in this game and all five of the DLCs. And the moment that sticks, there are several moments in this game, like when you can blow up Megaton or Liam Neeson's your father, or um, you're fighting with Liberty Prime, the awesome robot at the end of the game. But the moment I want to talk about is sort of kind of in the beginning of the game when you finally leave Vault 101 and that first moment when you step out into the Capital Wasteland and you see just the total utter destruction that has happened across Washington, D.C. The Just the sunset that's happening um, or sunrise. Uh, and then you're, you're, you come out right next to the sign that says scenic overlook. And I'm like, gotcha. That's awesome. <laughs> it was just a really cool, surreal moment to see like this, the devastation of the war that had happened within the fallout universe and fallout three. So yeah, that was uh, my top 10 moment. Mr. Driz, what's your number nine? I want to, I want to touch a little bit on Fallout 3. Fallout 3 is later down on my list, but I do want to say, going back to your moment, I remember that moment specifically because obviously you've been in this uh, cave, you know, mine shaft system, but when you come out, they actually make your eyes, like, get accustomed to the light for a little bit, and I was like, you know, that's a really nice touch. Uh, that's when I was like, yes, we're in the future of gaming. Look at these pixels. But uh, I just I just realized my top... My 10, 9, and 8 are all scary games, and they're, <laughs> like, I love some scary games. I love being, uh, I love the sense of horror that comes with games, but this one, not so much scary, but I, I, it had a really cool game mechanic. It was called Eternal Darkness. It came out in 2002 for the GameCube. My sister had this, and she never played it. She was just watched me play it. But the mechanic with it, it was like a, it was like a puzzle game where you could travel in time. It was, it was very strange, but the mechanic was you had a sanity meter. So you would go back to these different levels and different things could cause your sanity to decrease and it would mess with your game. Like there's be some points where it would turn, it would pretend to turn your TV off or it would pretend to reset your console or delete your entire save data. But the one that got me and the one that stuck with me, and I love this and I've never had it happen again. I've played this game numerous times, never had it happen again, was I walked through this door to the next room the screen flashes white. All of a sudden, my character's decapitated. So I'm walking around, hands like a zombie. I have to go and pick up my my head off the floor, and then I have to go to my inventory, use my head, and then the character puts the head back on, and then she just starts screaming, and then everything goes back to normal. I was like, this game is amazing. I love that. And I wish I could go through it and see it again for the first time. Like it was, it was just, it stuck with you. Uh, number nine for Andrew. So going back to the premise of GTA games, I didn't play a lot of them, but I really dove into, I really dove into GTA San Andreas for some reason. And I, I, I don't know why, but I got really invested and it was fun. Um, 
And then I found myself, I had a new mission in that game. As I, I don't always go to the main quests, I'll go side quests. And there are territories that you have to take over from gangs in San Andreas. And you've got uh, uh, different colors on the map for different parts of the territory where the gangs have expanded. And my goal was to take over all the territories before even progressing in the storyline even further. So I go through and I have got about 93% of all of the territories in my control. My control. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I've caught up enough of the side quest. Let me go a little bit of the main quest. Then I found out that, oh, you know, your best friend in the game, you know, ends up betraying you. And you get kind of left for, left for dust. And, oh, in doing so, you lose all of your territories back to the gangs. And I just, I, I don't think I've completed the game. I think I stopped right then and there. I was so heartbroken. Like, I put so much time into taking over all of these territories. And then they all got ripped away from me from a stupid main story mechanic. And, yeah, that, that one kind of stung a little. So not necessarily a good memory, just one that you have. Yes, yes. One that really stuck out and that really, uh, you know, it's part of me. All right, I'll hop in here with my number nine. I'm going, we talked about this series already a little bit for me. I'm going with Assassin's Creed 2 from 2009. Um, this this game, absolutely incredible. And, and for, it's hard to think for me that this game is in 2009. And it, it, it really took a lot of the things that I loved from the first game. Yes, I do love the, the original Assassin's Creed. Great game. Um, and just expounded upon it in ways that I just had never seen a sequel do in video gaming before. But um, like the whole day-night cycle, the fact that you can assassinate two people at a time. You got, you know, Leonardo da Vinci. Ezio is probably the, the best assassin um, protagonist, in my opinion. But uh, the moment that I want to talk about is actually, spoilers, here we go, is at the end when you are in the vault uh, and you meet, I can't remember if it's Juno or Minerva, I should know this, research on the fly. But um, that, that, uh, that being talks to Ezio, but then addresses you as Desmond, which is what your character is playing as uh, through the animus. Um, and Ezio, you know, your assassin character in 14th century Italy is like, what in the hell is happening right here? Who is Desmond? And it was just one of those like, oh, my God, moments that, you know, this ancient civilization had the foreknowledge to know, A, who Desmond was and B, that he was going to be there in that fold. It was just such a mind trippy thing um, at the end of that game. So absolutely love that game adore it so much and really I, I like most of the games in the Assassin's Creed franchise but yeah that's my number nine we'll pass it back over to Driz number eight again another horror game and this one uh, does not have a necessary like part of the game <laughs> but it's uh, it was it was the time where you can rent games. I don't know if you guys remember that. I'm, I'm not sure if the list, like, depending on our age group, who who, who listens to this, they might think I'm crazy. <laughs> this is before GameFly. This was this was like Blockbuster. Yeah. Blockbuster. Except I was a Hollywood video kind of kid. I don't know why. I don't. That, the colors interest me, I guess. But Fatal Frame Two, uh, I remember getting that during the summer, and I remember very specifically. 
I'm playing this and it's like 8 a.m. and Andrew's over my house. We're in my room. He's sitting (laughs) on my bed. I'm sitting on my bed. I am tense as hell. I'm playing this game or I'm like an hour or two into it. And if you've never played Fatal Frame before, literally you're just a girl and you're trying to go through this haunted house with a camera to kill spirits. Well, I raise up my camera and Andrew slaps my leg and mind you this is middle of summer 8 a.m sun is beaming into my room all right it is bright as <laughs> it is bright as all day and like. i scream <laughs> i go that's it i'm not playing this game anymore i haven't played it since i was like no 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 no, no we're good i don't know no, no, let's let's play sonic all right i don't even own a sega but let's play sonic all right can't believe you scared the hell out of me <laughs> Oh, that that was a that's a fantastic memory. I do love that one <laughs> because I think about that one as well. <laughs> uh, but my number eight has got to be uh, it's related to Pokemon Red. And I mean, when the Pokemon games first came out into North America in '98, it was it was different. It was fun. I mean, just the thought of you know the anticipation of what starter pokemon am i going to have like what is my journey going to be like you know what will my party be whenever i'm journeying and trying to like collect new pokemon along the way well there were so many things that you could do and then couldn't do in the original games and i mean you could finally like with a link cable you can play with your friends you uh, you know you get strong enough you battle the elite four you find missing number missing no but when you play with your friends, there's always that like, okay, who has been playing longer? Who has really put the time into this and that? And I remember being challenged by one of my friends. Like he was just bragging about his level 30 something Venusaur and like all of his party was in like a like third tier evolution. He was so excited. I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll play against you guys. Like, I'll, I'll use one Pokemon against your six. Ouch. Yeah, you're on. All right. Yeah. I, I, I had a level like 53 Alakazam. So I had, I, I just did a psychic attack after psychic attack on all of his guys. And I'm like one, two hitting his guys. And he's starting to get frustrated. He's realizing that he made a mistake. But he's finally, he's getting some hits in. And I mean, it's 1v6 and he gets through his like, I've taken out, I think like four of his guys by then. And he's got me down to like 20% health. And I use the move recover to recover hit points. And I saw the soul drain out of his eyes. The, the, the hope, the existence of him wanting to maybe beat me just left and that was just that was that was fantastic. I loved it. I hope I hope you know that Alakazam, like Psychic in general, in red and blue, are completely over the top ridiculous. Like they, ex, they oh coded, absolutely, they coded it wrong. Like they're super effective against ghosts, but really ghosts are supposed to be super effective against them. And it, that screws me up to this day playing Pokemon. Like I'm always like, oh, I got Psychic, I'll beat this Gengar's ass, and then it's not very effective. So. That's why you won. And no, this story isn't about me, okay? I would take him down with two, but come on, I wouldn't need six. 
Oh, man. All right. I will hop in here with my number eight. I am the resident Star Wars fan out of the three of us. I'm going all the way back to 2008's Force Unleashed. Absolutely love this game. Um, This was the first, like, Star Wars game that I can remember playing where I felt like the absolute just power of being a force user. Like I could, I remember the first time force pushing stormtroopers off the edge. And I swear they went the distance of a football field or just being able to like force grip a guy, shock him with my lightning, throw my lightsaber at him just for kicks and giggles, call the lightsaber back and then just do it all over again. This game was incredible. It's the first time I think in a, in a star Wars game, you could kill Rancors, which was just, awesome the uh kind of the the atb sequence of killing um the rancors or the atsts man absolutely incredible but the moment in this game that just made me feel like the coolest force user ever uh you're on i forget the name of the world that you're in but at some point you pull a star destroyer down from the sky and oh my god dude i had never not even in the Star Wars movies, and I've seen all of the movies numerous times, did you ever feel the power, literally, of the Force? And you're just, you're in this boss battle, you're pulling down this ginormous Star Destroyer, and it made you feel like you could just kick anybody's ass with the Force, and you felt so cool, Um, even as, like, Darth Vader's apprentice. There was just this moment of, like, man, Vader hasn't even done this, so... (laughs) You know, Um, but that moment, man, stood out to me. I remember seeing that uh, like E3 trailer for that game. And man, I it it is a controversial game within the Star Wars fandom, but I absolutely love it and adore it. All the holocrons and crystals and things that you get for the game. Absolutely incredible. So, yeah, that's my number eight. I'll head back to Driz for his number seven. What you got, bro? I'm a huge Halo fan. Like, obviously, I haven't played too much of four and five. Me and Andrew went through one summer, and we went through and beat every single one on Legendary, and that was that was amazing. And of course, the Jackals with their sniper rifles in Halo Two could, you know, kick dirt. Um, but for me, definitely story wise, Halo Three, the very ending, when you're on the uh, Warthog and you've got to run back to the ship. Well, not run, but drive back to the ship. It's like an eight, nine minute long scene. Things are exploding around you. The music is just super heavy. The bass is kicking in. It's just dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. oh man, like it. I've got goosebumps right now just thinking about just the hops and the jumps and watching. You gotta get the tight turns so thing like the the floor doesn't fall out beneath you. I wouldn't even care if I died just so I can replay that over and over again. It was just such a powerful scene, and I feel like if they ended it like the series with that game, I'd have been okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I am not much of a Halo fan, but I, I remember sitting in a college dorm watching some some guys in the dorm play that game. Uh especially yeah, hate Halo three in, in particular. Man, that was that was a cool moment even for someone who is not much of a Halo and or Xbox fan. But um yeah. Andrew, let's get to your number seven. And this is a game I that really, oh my God. I was, I was sitting here looking at our, our show doc here. And man, this game, you are an old school gamer if you've played this game for sure. Bro, tell them, tell them what you got. 
All right, so I'm going to take you back to 1997 and the Nintendo 64 and trying to figure out how do you do a first-person shooter with the way that they have the analog stick set up on the N64 controller. But you, you figured it out when playing GoldenEye 007. And this memory actually includes Kevin and his sister. Because we were all playing a multiplayer match. Uh, and we were playing at the, at the one bunker map. Now, if you've ever played uh, GoldenEye, you kind of know the bunker map. You know, you're down below underground. You could pick up the club, the double club. You know, we played a lot of the golden gun modes. You go around, you collect all the pieces of the golden gun. Well, we ended up just wandering around the map for so many or for so many times and so long. And we always found ourselves out upstairs outside at the helipad. Now, if you knew the helipad... You can't see to the end of the map. You're at the bunkered entrance to go down or out. And you can only see up to the helipad and then everything gets dark and snowy in the distance. So we're all playing and we all found ourselves out by this helipad. Now, Kevin's trying to come out of the helipad, out, out onto the helipad. He's in the doorway. I'm on top of the door, looking down with double claws, shooting at the ground, make, and like just teasing him. Like, yeah, you, you try to come out. And he's got the golden gun. And I know I don't want him to come out. He will hip fire me. He will kill me. It'll be the end of it. So me and him just had this little exchange going back and forth. And, you know, meanwhile, his sister's just running the perimeter of the map. Just like if, if there was like la di da di da music going like that would have been what it was she's just running the perimeter of the map and you can actually see her on the mini map as she moves closer and closer and closer to the 12 o'clock and for some reason kevin just fires a hip shot and when i say that you can't see the other person but you heard the death you heard the do 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 and the blood go down to her screen because, you know, it's all split screen. Multiple. Me and Kevin lost it right then and there. Like, it, it was... How, how, like, what are the chances that you're going to hit a golden gun shot blindly into the dark? And, of course, we always picked on his sister, too. Just because, uh, you know, that's what you do when you're 12 years old. Yeah. But... <laughs> Annoying brothers. Little brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, that has definitely had to have been a, my number seven was a golden eye 007. She moment. never played with us ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I remember playing that game in my old neighborhood. Um, and I was the first guy in that group of friends that figured out the odd job trick. <laughs> You're better than that, Joe. You're better than that. You're better than that, Joe. You're better than that. And then it was because of me that, like, odd job was like hands off. <laughs> you can't do odd job anymore. All right. I'll hop in here with my number seven. I'm going with a game that I know is absolutely beloved by Kevin as well. And it's a series that both of us absolutely have spent way too much time in. I'm going with Metal Gear Solid 3 all the way from 2004, 20,000, 2004, 20, 20,000, 20, that's right. I was going to say like 20, 
doesn't matter. All right, Snake Eater. Man, incredible game. I think it's my favorite in the series. Yes, I said it. You can at me later. Um, so, so many memorable moments in this game. Um, from the boss fight with the end, really all of the boss fights are incredible in this game, to the lengthy, longest ladder that has ever been made in mankind. <laughs> but um, the moment that I want to talk about is actually, again, the ending fight. Um, that battle with the boss, absolutely incredible, because one, that, that fight is just so memorable for a lot of reasons. You can hit the, the extra snakes on the, hanging from the trees in that level. But um, and when you finally kill her, the, the lilies in the field turn red. It's also at that moment that you realize that she's Otacon's, or not Otacon, she's Ocelot's mom. But you also, they kind of leave you with a cliffhanger. And that's kind of really more the moment that I'm describing here is it's not until the end of the game where Eva's giving you the voiceover at the end that you realize that she knew what she was doing, talking about the boss, that her mission was to die at your hands at the end of that game. Your mission is to kill her. She was meant to be a traitor and she did all of this stuff in the game because that was her mission. And you don't realize that as you're doing that boss fight. And then it was after that boss fight and after, you know, the ending scene and credits, that big boss is like, screw the U S like you guys messed up big time. You made me kill my mentor. And it was just such a powerful scene and just turn of events that last like half an hour or so of that game. Absolutely love it. Um, so that is my number seven. Driz, let's start off with number six for you. All right, so Metal Gear Solid is coming. Don't worry, it's 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 going to be number. It's it's way down the list though. For number six, we're going to go back to Fallout Three, and you kind of touched a little bit on this, John. But obviously, you know, I I love coming out the vault, and your eyes, you know, they shine some. And of course, I love listening to music while I'm blowing off Raiders' heads and stuff like that. But you know, for me, I like playing the evil route. So I remember, you know, strolling over to Ten Penny Tower and having this eyesore megaton you know blocking his view so i i'm i may or may not have had uh, a save file right before i pushed the button to blow up megaton with that nuke like just see seeing the nuke go off the world around you gets dark you can like see the wind like just rushing towards you i was like I could live in this moment. Like, I felt like I was Tenpenny in his tower, sipping his tea, watching this nuke go off. I was like, this is incredible. Like, I, when you when you were talking about Fallout 3, I was like, this it, it's got to be this moment. And, I, and obviously, I just love having the evil character, so I pushed that button so many damn times that it probably broke, all right? But no, nah, for, for real, though, nuking Megaton from Tenpenny Tower, amazing scene. And I, I, another thing I wish I could relive for the first time. Dude, and for, for a game that came out in 2008, the graphics within that scene were actually pretty damn good for a game in 2008. And, and I do love the fact that even if you do blow up Megaton, you still get that, um, that one shop worker that's from like Fargo. <laughs> Hey, do you want to go like uh, do some some uh, some some stuff for me? We're gonna do this uh, this side quest. 
<laughs> Dude, she has she has the most OP item though. She has that book if you you know get all a whole bunch of boosts and stuff. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, she's awesome. She's all set off some landmines. It's okay. <laughs> it's it's they're fine. They're they're fine. Oh, I just need you to go get a little bit of uh rad poisoning. And then you go, you have like 600 rads. And she's like, oh, you don't look very well, dear. It's like, duh, I'm dying. Go ahead, Andy. What's uh, what's number six for you? So, I mean, my dad used to always get me into all sorts of uh, RPGs and strategy games, dungeon crawlers. But this one was, uh, this one is just one of my favorite franchises. It's Shining Force. For the Sega Genesis uh, back in 93. Um, just, I, I mean, I can't even go too specific, but like the, it was just the whole general game and all the memories that uh, I share with it. And I mean, that's even why, like I said earlier, I, I didn't even recognize it earlier. Like, I have it on my phone as an app and game to play on my phone. Um, just all the times I got to play with it with my dad. You know, going through, uh, finding even the hidden characters. I've played through this game so many times from beginning to end. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. But it you get a feeling of, like, uh, new empowerment every time that you level up a character and you go through it again. And you focus more on one character than another. And you have certain ones that you don't usually use out on the field and uh, ones that you primarily tried in the past, you know, they're just sitting in the barracks. Um, but then whenever you find the secret, like getting Domingo hatching the egg and then how OP he was or she or it, um, that was just, that was always a fun feeling. Like you see his hit points on his magic are just like maxing out like they're they're over a hundred you know vegeta's freaking out with his scouter uh but just having that game still playing it now like the memories i had with my dad yeah that's that's definitely my number six what about you john all right uh my number six here is also a game that may be mentioned later in kevin's list so i hope i don't steal uh, your thunder for one of your top three picks here, but I'm going with a game that I have gone back to numerous times, absolutely love, and that is Final Fantasy X. It is my favorite Final Fantasy. Yes, I said it. You can at me later. Um, all the way back from 2001, man, just the, the, the graphical and game mechanic jump go for this game being on uh, the first one that was on PlayStation 2, absolutely incredible. Um, the first game with the voice actors, um, granted, uh, in a lot of parts, the lip syncing was off um, because they, you know, they recorded everything in Japanese first. So all the lip flap movements are actually to the to the recorded Japanese. And then they went back and dubbed the English later on. Fun fact. I absolutely just love and adore this game. I love all the characters. Um, I love Blitzball. Man, this game is just incredible. And the the moment that I want to talk about it, I can remember because this game was the first game that I purchased with my own money. I was working at this time and I had actually saw uh, a trailer of it at Andrew's house because um, you were still getting, I think, the PlayStation magazine or something at this point. I remember we were reading about it and then I remember we watched a trailer or something that I was like, oh my God, I have to get this game. This just looks freaking awesome. 
Um, and so I can remember going and getting the game, getting the strategy guide. And I can remember the very first time playing this game. And then this opening sequence where you're in Xanarkand and you see Titus. Yes, I'm saying Titus. It is Titus. Um, and just the whole opening movie sequence where he's playing Blitzball. And then you see this random guy who you later find out is Oren in the background. You have the loud, crunchy guitar kind of playing in the background and you see this whole blitzball game happening. And then at some point he knocks a guy out into the crowd and then he does this backflip thing out of the water. And then as he's upside down, you see sin attacking and all of the like blazer things coming out of sin. And then you see Oren walk in and the water's like evaporating and moving up towards sin. just, man, the whole first part of this game that whole movie sequence i was just sitting there on the edge of my seat like oh my gosh i just need to dive deep into this game i freaking love this um i spent so much time in blitzball um i really even at the end of that moment too where like you get done fighting you're going through all of the like combat tutorial stuff with Oren, and then you know, he looks up at Sin, which you don't know at the time that he knows who Sin is. It's your dad. It's Jacked, right? And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, dude, there's there's a relationship here. He knows what's going on. And I love that throughout the whole game, Titus asks him, like, you know what's going on, or this is all your fault, or all these things. Like, absolutely love it. I could talk Final Fantasy X all day, every day. Driz, I hope I didn't steal your moment, but we will throw it back to you. So you didn't steal it. Uh, it's act- it's actually almost the complete opposite, but we'll we'll touch on that when I get to it. Uh, for number, so a lot of my moments are either horror, super sad, or nostalgic. So one of the most saddest moments in video games, and this is my number five, was I don't know if you guys ever played the Telltale Walking Dead series. I uh, played season one, and okay, I think okay. I know where you're going with this. So they're not. I wouldn't even consider them really games. I mean, they're. I would essentially call them point-and-click adventures, but you can focus so much more on the story. And in Telltale Walking Dead, the season one, at the very end, so you play as a guy named Lee, and you pretty much have pseudo-adopted this little girl named Clementine. And there's this one scene where Lee is bitten, and he is turning. And you've been controlling him, for this whole game. I mean, I'm talking like five, I think it's five chapters. Yeah. So you eventually have to go and you get chained to a radiator because you're, you're, you're in bad shape. His skin's starting to turn. He's, he's, you know, sick. He's, he's transforming into a zombie and you finally have to make a decision as Clementine. Do you kill him? Or do you leave him? And it is so heartbreaking because you don't want him to turn into a zombie, but you also cannot kill him. And it's just, it's so sad. Like you've been playing this guy this whole time. They've, you've seen this relationship grow and it's such a, like a natural thing they have together. And then all of a sudden it gets ripped out and it, it left me heartbroken. I, I was dying during that scene. Yeah, dude, I, I can vividly remember playing this on my iPad when I was uh, traveling uh, with my old work. And man, yeah, it, it is heart wrenching because Clementine is supposed to be like a 
what six or seven year old girl or something in, in yeah, this yeah. timeline and man it, it that was a very heartbreaking thing definitely tugs and pulls on the heartstrings for sure great moment man yeah andrew uh number five for you there chief yeah mine goes in a little different emotional route um <laughs> mine goes back to when uh me and john were living together back in like 2008 and nine and well, you know, John got me into the third-person shooters. You know, it started with Siphon Filter. But, you know, as you can hear, John's a very avid Metal Gear fan. And so we played Metal Gear Online, MGO. And I like the multiplayer games. So that was something we were able to play together on the PS3. And, I mean, when I talk about all the broken controllers from the frustrations that we've had, that, that that's that's a different topic for a different day. But, but, um, me and John continued to play, uh, okay, so I had a, a, a main character and an alternate character. My alternate character, I, I named him, I think, Wesley S, because I used him to snipe. Wesley snipes, you know, I, I thought I was clever. But my main character, instead of a dude, I made her a chick. And... Me and John would play online, and I, when I say that people wanted to know who Thug Muffin was, I don't remember how we came up with the name, but John reminded me of it earlier, Thug Muffin. Like, what, what's more, like, ghetto than being rocked, sniped in MGO by somebody named Thug Muffin, some chick? And when I tell you everything went back to, like, an AOL platform, like, hey, ASL, age, sex, location, you know, everyone was trying to hit on Thug Muffin when they realized, oh, man, this chick can shoot. But it was me. And and me and John, we, we really, there's one name that stands out. Every time we started, every a time. Feud. we we did. We, we, a feud. we did. It was it was in the uh, like the 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 forum board. Like whenever you're between matches or in the game and this and that, and it was against. I'm sorry if you hear this, Black Mamba. And and I don't know. I don't remember exactly how it started, but I think we just kept killing, and killing, and killing Black Mamba. And it wasn't like we're targeting this person. It started out as coincidental. But then they kept coming after us. And then it became personal. And then we would play a new randomly generated lobby map or match. And who else is in this? Black Mamba. Yeah, because So we kind of have to preface that. Because if, if any of you guys remember playing Metal Gear online, um, you had the ability to type in someone's screen name. And it would show what match that they were in and what map they were on and then you could join the map if it wasn't full that's so right that's right that, that that's what we used to do and this guy uh the black mambo was also a sniper so there were so many times where we would get in these matches and we would just be sniping each other across the map um it would either be me or it'd be andrew and then it got to a point where um we were we would sign on solely just to see where black mambo was and we'd follow him into these maps and then you could you had this chat bubble at the bottom of the screen and you'd be like let's finish this and it was like we just destroyed this guy to the point to where andrew tell him what happened 
I mean, yeah. I, I I believe we got blocked or they uh they disconnected their account or something like that. It was just uh I after a while I felt so bad. Like as then it was like you don't really realize what online bullying is. You think you're just having fun. But then again, you know, this was also the era of like Call of Duty Modern Warfare two lobbies where everyone talks smack to the point of cyberbullying. But yeah, I mean if you hear this black bomb, I am sorry. It was fun. It was all, it was supposed to be all in fun. But, you know, you were a good sniper. John, number five. All right, I will hop back in here. I'm going with uh, another series that I absolutely love. Um, I'm going with 2010's God of War 3, the opening of this game. Oh, my gosh. So Santa Monica Studios, which does the God of War series, man, they are one of the developers that is just incredible at creating these sprawling, huge landscapes where your player character just looks so itty bitty tiny against all of these ginormous backgrounds. And the beginning of God of War 3, you're on the back of the Titan Gaia, you're climbing up with all of the Titans, climbing Mount Olympus. So it's just this sprawling landscape, man. It is absolutely incredible to look at. so you have these huge mountains, you're climbing Mount Olympus, you're on the back of these titans, and you start um, this boss fight with what you think is Poseidon. And it's this kind of weird water horse shrimp thing. And you keep like fighting him throughout the course of this for like the first 15 minutes. And then you have to swing here, you have to do this thing, you're chopping down trees, you're chopping down guys, you crawl across Gaia's face and you do all these things. And then eventually you keep fighting this water horse shrimp thing. And then you realize that this water horse shrimp is actually one of like eight water horse shrimp. And you see the actual Poseidon come out of the water. And it is one of the moments in video games where I felt like an inch big against this ginormous freaking boss fight. And it was one of the coolest boss fights Ever. You end up killing Poseidon, spoiler alert, in this game you pretty much kill every god in the <laughs> Greek pantheon. Um, but man, I had never to that point in 2010 played a game that made you feel so small. And it just further made you feel like such a badass as Kratos, because you're like, whatever, man, I got these blades of chaos, we are going to freaking town. It was one of the best opening boss fights I've ever played in a video game. Absolutely incredible. That is my number five. Driz, what's your number four, man? Yeah, just a sidebar. God of War does such a great job of making you feel so powerful and it has it's it does scale so great. Like God of War was gonna be on my list with the, the Hydra from the very first one, but didn't make the cut. Still an amazing sequence. But number four, two thousand seven's Bioshock, first one. So Bioshock's story was amazing. That game terrified me. Uh, the the lighting in it was amazing, but that's not the part that stuck out. The stuck the, the part that stuck out. Humongous spoilers for Bioshock, who has not played it yet, and I highly suggest you do play it. Was at the very end, well near the very end, you find out that Atlas, the guy who's been helping you this whole time, is actually controlling you to kill Matt Ryan, and he does it with a simple little phrase, "Would you kindly." And then you have these little flashbacks of all these times where he's saying, would you kindly, 
you're reading something that says would you kindly and it's it's just so powerful finding out that this dude is controlling you the whole time and what i really love about this game is you have these little uh, jars that you need to to stick into your arms to refinish your health or your i would say magic but he actually has tattoos of chains on his hands and to signify that he's just pretty much a slave to atlas the entire time and it's small stuff like that that just makes moments like that just stand out so incredible and it just just hearing this guy controlling me the whole time fills you with such rage that you just want to just murder him repeatedly and you can't because he's still controlling you and that i i love that game i've i've played it i don't know like five or six times that ending still gets me so andrew yours mine goes back to uh uh, a game that everybody kind of knows and loves or may love. That's controversial. Uh, but it was recently remade. It's Final Fantasy VII back in 1997. Now, I'm sure everyone's already going to know what I'm going to say. But, you know, the game was great. I loved the story, this dystopian future. The, when the feeling you get whenever you max out a materia for the first time. Or then you max out more later on. Or you finally face an ultimate weapon, or you go against Sephiroth. But unlike Kevin, I didn't have the strategy guide for this. So I didn't know everything that was going to happen. And yes, of course, I was incredibly saddened when Ares died. Like, and that was, that's another, uh, what, what's the name for the, um, like you, you, you feel like you remembered something wrong, but it's right, but it, it's been changed in the past. I used to always think that it was Ares, not Aerith. Yeah. And then <laughs> I think, uh, I think she goes by. Right. And that was one of the things, like, I always remembered it as Ares. And, uh, but yeah, like, there was something like, I mean, the story writing and everything, like they, they did a good job. They, they pulled me in and made me really love this girl and then just snatched her away from me. And when I say that in the era of no internet yet, because, I mean, I'm old, okay? The internet wasn't around. We had game strategy guides for, you know, times like this. When I'm looking around and trying to find a way, because I heard a rumor, a golden rumor, that you can bring her back and play with her for the rest of the game. Like, uh, I'm searching for Atlantis. I'm trying to find this. I'm trying to figure out what cheat code I'm going to need to do. What I, Do I need to go out and buy Action Replay or something like that so that I can... Or is there a game genie I need to get so that I can actually play with this girl in my party for the rest of the match? Isn't it just the Konami code? <laughs> Is it? Are you, are you kidding me? No, like, I seriously, I, I never found it. Well, that's the end of the stream, and now we have to go play Final Exactly. Fantasy All right, so I'll, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Sign it up. Sign it up. No, I, I have no idea. I had actually never caught wind of that rumor at all if that's if that is even remotely true that changes that game to be honest it was probably just kevin trying to make a rumor and then make because he knew i was feeling bad about her dying because <laughs> that's that's how I, you I were remember telling i remember telling you uh because I, I didn't i wanted to bring her back too because uh, i just liked her as a character but you could go back to the church and she would have like a ghost there and i remember we stuck like we were there for like an hour trying to like figure out if there's anything we can do but to no avail she is she is dead she gone she's gonzo mm. <laughs> J- 
John, do you uh, want to regale us with number three, uh, number four? I'm sorry. All right, number four. I'm also kind of keeping it old school here. I'm going with 1998's Metal Gear Solid, the game that for me just started it all with my love of this franchise. Oh my gosh, I can remember just that opening sequence where Colonel Campbell is talking to you about all the different members of Foxhound. You're in the cool little submarine and you get into the water there. Um, and I, I remember playing this the first time. It took me about 10 tries to get past the two guards in that opening area just to get onto that freaking elevator in the back there. But eventually I got it. Um, just doing a little punch-punch kick combo. <laughs> you know. Um, but I absolutely love this game. Um, so many memorable moments. It was actually kind of hard to pick one. But what I'm going with here in a moment that equal parts was like oh my god this is awesome and also oh my god this is scary as hell is the fight with psycho mantis uh and when he tells you to put your controller on the floor right and this is this is playstation one era still but you could you, uh, some of those you could, you could get the uh, dual shot controllers and when he actually made the controller vibrate that scared the living bejesus out of me and then the fact that he can read your memory card and tell you, oh, you haven't saved often. And it's like, well, how do you know? <laughs> and then if you played other Konami games, it was like, oh, you've played blah, blah, blah. And it was like, oh, my God, such a coolest, like, uh, fourth wall breaking that I think has ever happened, at least to that point. I mean, we're talking 1998 here. So really took you out of the moment, but was such a cool thing. It was one of the cooler fights I think in that game, uh, you know, when your screen goes black and it says Hideo on the top corner, I was like, what is happening here? And the fact that you can unplug your controller, plug it in port two, and he doesn't know what you're doing. I was like, man, such just the uh, Konami at this point and really get Kojima really, man, just continually thinking of ways to kind of reshape what you're thinking is going to happen in a game it was so groundbreaking in that moment absolutely loved that fight it was so cool um yeah and and the, you know he's just this cool guy that's floating around moving stuff he's you know he's got meryl in a trance and you're like what in the hell is happening right now um absolutely love that so that is my number four so many moments in that game that I could have chosen, but man, that moment, I, that is a moment I wish I could replay again for the first time. That creepy like music that's playing and man, so much stuff. I know Drizz has moments of that game too that are stand out to him. Yeah, mine's mostly when you uh, hurry up to go to the bathroom right before that scene and you can catch Meryl getting changed. That was that was my top ten. All like every single one was ten nine ten through one was seeing Meryl in her underpants. In in the polygon graphics of nineteen ninety eight, we get we we took we took we can get uh, Lara okay? Croft Tomb Raider. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> all right, but, but uh, we are moving on. Driz, what is your number three? Yeah, top three, man. Uh, this was this was tough. Uh, this is the one that I kind of spoiled last week. It was Ocarina of Time. You guys know the year nineteen ninety eight. Everyone has played this, and by by everyone, I mean everyone. Even if you don't think you have, in some existence, you have. All right, but mine's involving opening the door of time for the first time, and you get to pull the master sword. So you're 
you're kicking asses, Link. All right, you've you've gone through the Dooku tree. You slingshot a Queen Goma in her stupid eye. You're in Dodongo's cavern. You're you're fixing the rock problem. You're throwing bombs in King Dodongo's mouth. Going to Jabba Jabba's belly. You have to listen to the king scoot his butt going, a week, a week, a week. And you did listen to that for like five or ten minutes. That's the moment. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, you have to, you, you throw in the boomerang at the bear nod. So you finally get the three spiritual stones. You walk up to the, the castle and it plays the cutscene where Princess Zelda throws you the, the Ocarina of Time. Go inside the door of time. You pull up the Master Sword, you're transforming into Adult Link for the first time, and then you finally figure out that this was Ganondorf's plan all along. Like, he has been playing you. So then you pull the sword, all of a sudden, you've been you've been asleep for seven years, you wake up, and it's just a dystopian future. Like, Hyrule is left to waste, everything you know is dead or dying, the Characters are just downtrodden. It's 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 so amazing to see a game like Link to the Past had the dark world, but you didn't really feel a sense of dread or horror or anything when you played like you did when you played Ocarina of Time going into you know the future. So that that right there, definitely number three for me. Well, I mean, it's crazy because a lot of uh, I've I've recognized that a lot of my top memories have been like in the past the retro games and then some of them are even just like related to my dad because you know my dad got me into gaming you know he got me into his kind of gaming because that's what i saw that's what i enjoyed and uh so because of that my number three it's a very sad memory because back on sega cd in 1994 my dad would always play the dungeon crawler dungeons and dragons eye of the beholder and it was uh, he would stay up late playing this game as well as like a couple other Sega CD games, and he, I, I I don't even know how many floors there were in this dungeon crawler, because I I, I would say fourteen or fifteen, so I remember watching him play through and like he'll advance you know to four to seven to 10 he got to 11 and he couldn't figure out like or he he had gotten to 11 and he was about ready to you know go go along further than this and so i'm playing as well on my own save file and i'm probably at like four or five and i'm not at a good save spot and we have to leave like and if you remember anything being younger it's like all right save the game we gotta go uh, okay one minute i hastily saved my game over my dad's save file and he lost it he was farther than me with so much time put in and you know and like that that was such a that that's such a sad feeling like a like a like a an emptiness of like a i was the burden <laughs> But that's that it goes further than that. So he plays it again. He's upset, but not upset. He plays it again. He goes through. He gets all the way to floor 11 again. But he can't get past it. And he thinks that there was something that he had gotten his first save, but not his second save. 
that would have allowed him to get past this one door in, ele- in floor 11 that was somewhere previously on a different floor, maybe floor 10. But the problem is, to go from floor 10 to 11, I mean, because they're basement floors, you're going down, you had to hop into a hole, so you can't hop back up to floor 10. So you're stuck on floor 11. And he just... He he spent so many hours just trying to figure out how to get through 11 and couldn't. And I feel like a heel because of that. And that is my sad number three moment. That is, that is a sad moment. Um, I feel the need to move on to my number three and bring it up a little <laughs> bit again. I'm going to hop in here with a series that is probably my favorite PlayStation series. I'm going with Uncharted 2 all the way back from 2009. This game, really this whole series though, is absolutely incredible. All these games are playing, you're like playing this awesome summer blockbuster. It's like part Indiana Jones, part Tomb Raider, part its own thing, a lot of gunplay. Nathan Drake as a character is just iconic. He's so freaking cool. This game, man, really took everything that you liked about the first game and just turned it up to 11. Um, You go, you finally get to go to like different countries and things. And at some point you are in Nepal and this sequence happens where you are on a train and this train is on, it's, 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 it's a level and I'm going to try to do my best to explain it. So Everything that is happening around you while you're on this train never repeats. This whole train is on a track. And then once certain story moments happen in the train, like you're going from car to car, you're killing guys, you're finding treasure, you're re-upping on your ammo. Then you kind of go from the train being outside to a train being in the tunnel. And then you kind of go through some story stuff and you're killing guys, finding ammo, all of this stuff. And then eventually you get on the other side of this tunnel and then you have this awesome firefight with this anti-aircraft gun versus this helicopter It is one of the coolest set pieces in a video game and and it was really a game defining thing because it could have just been very easy to just have like a, a, a repeating like background or landscape behind you but i actually took the time to stay on the train and I, I actually, I remember I had a stopwatch and I just was like, all right, 15 minutes. And I just kind of went around this map in this big, crazy figure eight. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's this cool village over here. There's this lake, there's this mountain, there's, oh, look, more trees. But it was like nothing repeated. It was on this track. And then it knew based on where you were at in the story or like what car you were in um, to, to progress to the next part of the thing. And, and the whole sequence takes like half an hour between stuff blowing up. You're doing this firefight with this helicopter. It was absolutely incredible. Um, one of my favorite set pieces in the game. There, there are many in Uncharted, especially in Uncharted 2, but I love the entire series. You may hear more of, of from me on this series in my honorable mentions, but we'll get to that soon. Driz, what is your number two? All right, so we're going back to Final Fantasy X. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny that, you know, you pick the opening scene because I'm picking, you know, closer towards the end where you find out that uh, Titus is going to the far plane and you find out, like, this adventure that you've had with this, this group of 
misfits, I guess, as you would best describe them. You know, you're finally going to complete the mission, and he finds out that, you know, if they go through with this, him, Oren, they're they're gone. You know, and it's you can tell, you know, Luna and uh, Titus are you know starting to have feelings towards each other, and it's it's just so sad seeing. Luna have to finally complete her quest to save, you know, the world, finally stop sin, and just to have them two ripped apart. It was it was a, pre- a pretty emotional moment, and it just it stuck with me for, for years, and I'm really excited to go through and play 10 again through my quest of beating all the Final Fantasies this year just to get to that moment again. Powerful moment, man. I, I, and I think to add on top of that, too, was... Uh, the the part where Oren's like it's okay, and so like not only are you losing Titus, but you're losing like the old guy of the group, of yeah, Oren, the old guy that was somehow dead the entire time, but still around. Like, well, T, well, Titus is right, dead, <laughs> but I mean, it was it, yeah. it was almost like you know the the Sephiroth uh, cloud Zach cloning kind of confusing thing for me, just because you know. Psh- how else does Final Fantasy play their stories? Uh, they confuse the people. <laughs> I was about to say, well, welcome to uh, Final right. Fantasy. <laughs> Stick with one and two. <laughs> Those stories are pretty I easy. Beaten one yet. <laughs> I'm still in the final dungeon. On top of that, too, the the moment where like Titus jumps off, and then him and his him and his dad have the high five moment. That was like this whole game. He's just been whining about how much he hates his dad and, and everything, but you've kind of have that one moment of like awesome closure at the end. That's pretty cool. Leading into Andrews, he picked final fantasy 10 as well for his number two, but it was the laughing scene. <laughs> <laughs> Negative. Uh, uh, my, my number two is halo two. So I love the whole Halo uh, franchise that me and Kevin have played a lot on ever since the beginning Halo. Like we've played through legendary modes. We've we've even talked about getting, you know, shared legendary tattoos just because of how impactful the whole series has been in our lives and how much time we put into it and whatnot. And uh, back in 2004, 2005, there was a, a local game store that we would frequent as uh, teenagers and at one point they had a tournament going on and it was so uh, one saturday we were ah uh, yeah 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 we, we we play halo 2 enough let's go join this tournament and it was a lot of local people and a lot of kids our age and there's a you know even a guy that was just a little older he's probably about our age now john and uh because how, how old your son john So how how much impact have you had with video games and your son? Like, does your son play a lot of video games, or does he see you playing a lot of video games? And and see, that's amazing. Like, just the uh, the, it's it's a whole new generation, a whole new cycle of. The sons that are are like impacted from their dads playing video games. So back to the tournament, me and Kevin are playing a duos match. And 
we ended up getting second place in this tournament, which I, I was ecstatic about. Like, I loved it. But, I mean, the two guys that we went against, one was a little older, and then one was in his 30s or, or late 20s, early 30s. And when I say that this guy, he had a stopwatch. So he knew when the sniper rifle was going to respawn. And he just murked us so bad that I was like, you know, I, I know I can, I can absolutely identify the difference in talent and skill. And I will gladly bow out and take the second. Like, I, I, you know, I tried, but I mean, I knew that, you know, it was a losing match for us to try to get first. But that guy's kid, five years old, was also playing in that tournament that day. And instead of in the duos, he was playing in the solos. And our buddy Sean, our age, went up against this five-year-old. And when I say that this five-year-old kicked his ass, I I felt... I, I felt like I wanted to ridicule him so much. But knowing how badly his dad also beat us, I'm like, no, there, there's... There, there is a legit, like, the talent has gone through the generations. It has been shared. He he has learned from his dad. He has learned from the master. He is no longer a Padawan. And But but that is, that is a key shining moment that, like, I remember is being in our late teens and our buddy losing to a five-year-old in Halo 2 101. And... I wonder why it doesn't play online. I, I have no clue. <laughs> I'm sure that didn't have any impact to it whatsoever. <laughs> no, I still, to this day, I still say the only reason why we lost that match was because we played a map we never right. played. <laughs> like, <laughs> we played that stupid shit map that no one ever plays. And it was, had the two levels. They were up on the second level and they would just snipe us because we had no, we didn't even know how to get to the second floor. We, we played Halo for like 10 hours a day, every day, all summer long. We never played this. No, we didn't. <laughs> like ever. <laughs> all right, but Johnny, swinging back to you for your number two. All right. My number two, um, I'm keeping it with Naughty Dog games here. I'm going with The Last of Us. The, the original one from 2013, absolutely incredible game. Really, the, the, the whole game is just full of memorable moments. So many uh, from the introduction uh, of Ellie to, you know, who Joel is as a character in the beginning of the game. Um, just the different people that you meet and how they may leave the, the game via death or other things. But man, just the, the game is absolutely incredible. I know I keep using that word for almost every game I talk about, but man, this game story-wise is one of the best I've ever played. Um, and I'm going to go with the end of this game as, as my moment. So throughout this whole game, you're this character, Joel. You play as Joel. You also do play as Elliot at one point in the game. But you're you're forging this relationship as you are trying to you're traveling across the country to get this this little girl who's immune to this virus across the country you're trying to get her to this group called the fireflies and over the course of, of the story of the game it takes about a year to go from boston and you meet up in salt lake city you've developed this relationship right you finally get her there you're at this hospital and joel kind of has this change of heart because he's like i don't want to sacrifice this girl to this procedure 
She's now my daughter. I'm taking care of her. And Joel goes on a murderous rampage. He kills everybody at this rickety hospital. And you get to the, the, the operating room. You have to kill at least the doctor. Even if you shoot him in the hand, you shoot him in the foot, this doctor dies. Spoiler alert, comes back to haunt you in part two. More on that later. Stay tuned. Um, you don't have to kill the other nurses or doctors or whatever, but you have to you at least kill that one. And then you get Ellie, you pick her up, you put her in the back of this car um, after you also murder the leader of the fireflies who's like, yeah, you shouldn't do this. And Joel's like, screw you. I'm doing this. This is my, this is my adoptive daughter. And Joel lies to Ellie and says, you know, there are dozens like you, they've actually stopped looking for a cure. And when Joel finally, or when, when Ellie finally confronts Joel about that moment, you're, you're overlooking this town. You're about to go back to where uh, Joel's brother is living in Jackson, Wyoming and she's like, swear to me that you told me the truth. And he's like, okay, like, here's what happened. And she just looks at him and goes, okay. And credits, roll credits, boom, right there. She knows in that moment that Joel lied to her about what really happened. And that also plays a big part in part two. It was just one of those those kind of ambiguous endings to a video game. I remember sitting there just as the credits were rolling going, oh my God, this was absolutely incredible. You forged this relationship with this, this little teenage girl and you still are a jerk at the end of this game and you lied to her. Like, man, that was very powerful and impactful in a game full of powerful and impactful moments. That is my number two. We're going to head back over to Driz. But before we get to our respective number ones, I would like to have us all take this time to mention any honorable mention games or moments that did not make our top 10 list. So Driz, do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah. A couple of you've already stated like Metal Gear Solid 3, the ladder scene, uh, Metal Gear Solid 1, just the, yeah, everything like Otacon and Sniper Wolf going back to the very beginning of this episode. That was a powerful scene. God of War with the Hydra. Like, there's Pokemon. Uh, remember playing Pokemon Blue with Andrew when he had Red, picking our first Pokemon. Like, those, those, these are just moments that are just stuck in my head forever. And I wish they weren't, because I want to go back and relive these. All right. I, I wish I get, I hope I get amnesia. I, I mean, I'll forget my wife. That's okay. I'll forget these and I can relive them. You know what I mean? That's what's important. I'm sorry, Joe. If you listen to this, here's hoping you don't. Andrew, any uh, honorable mentions that uh, you would like to share with the class and or listeners? Well, the hard part with having ADD is, you know, you forget things. and But whenever you do remember them, it's like, oh, man, that moment. So I've tried to, like, write down as much as I could to remember. And I'm sure that I'm going to have so many more honorable mentions later on down the line. But, I mean, there's a lot that I mean, you guys touched on. With, uh, like, the Halo 3 ending, you know, even the Halo 2 ending. Um, going through with all the different moments of Force Unleashed, actually, like, where you actually felt like you were a Jedi for the first time since, like, uh, KOTOR and Knights of the Old Republic. Um, playing Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear VR games. Um, just all, all sorts of different things, like Final Fantasy X playing all the Blitzball uh, 
playing the other card games, you know, um, in Final Fantasy uh, 9, 8, you know, uh, playing Witcher 3 and playing Gwent. Um, they're, they're all sorts of, like, things that are even can be little things. So when playing Lunar the Silver Star. And, and then just going through the storyline of that, and that that was impactful on me. You know, whenever you play through Skyrim, and you play over and over and over again, and you always seem to find yourself being a sneaky archer. I, it, I I'm sure I'm. Uh, there's probably so many more that I don't remember, but you know, I'll I'll remember and share them sometime. Uh, man, I could just do a whole nother episode of video game moments and, and games that didn't even crack my top 10. Uh, Kev, I will say that there is an, uh, a notable game missing, even from your honorable mentions. That's 2005's PsyOps. I can remember <laughs> that, that game, man. Oh my God, such a sleeper. If you guys don't know what game I'm talking about, 2005, it is done by... Um, uh, gosh, who did the Blitz games? I'm blanking on the name. Anyway, uh, Mid Midway. There we go. Um, man, this game was cool. You're this psychedelic freaking soldier that gets all of these awesome powers. You get telekinesis, pyrokinesis. But I can I can distinctively remember in that game the first time you get an ability called Mind Drain where you kind of pick this, you pick a soldier off the ground and you drain him of all, all of his spirit. And you get health from it. And then his brain explodes. And I remember doing that for the first time. And I was just like, oh, my God, that was freaking awesome. And then I had to use mind drain as much as I could. Like, I would, I would telekinesis a guy close to me and then mind drain the crap out of him. That was a game um, that I, I sank a lot of time into. And plus, you know, like, Driss and I talked about this off mic uh, a couple weeks ago. The, the ending of that game absolutely incredible you fight that colonel at the end and then it ends with the, the area that you fight the colonel in uh gets attacked by like choppers and helicopters and stuff you're being chased and then you see this to be continued and you're like oh my gosh what happens next and then there was never a sequel spoiler alert they don't make them. <laughs> to be continued is the ending. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued is the ending. So th that is one that is an honorable mention for me. And I'm also going to go back. I didn't double check when this game came out, but it's one of my favorite RPGs ever. It's kind of a sleeper. I'm going with Legend of Dragoon. Um, there is a character death early on in that game that I personally did not see coming. Um, all your characters in this game kind of have a color associated to them. Your main character, Dart, is like red and fire. And then, um, but you have your your guy who's kind of your your green and wind element guy. And in the beginning of the game, his name is Lavitz. You go over to his house, you eat some dinner with his mom, and you end up going into this kind of creepy cave area, and Lavitz dies. Spoiler alert. Lavitz dies. And this is before there is some uh, voiceover work in this game, but it's more about um, you announce what ability you're using. So Lavitz dies. And then you see your main character, Dark, just go, Lavitz! Just in this giant wall of text. <laughs> and like, while you don't hear it, you can feel the emotion. And then the character you get after that as your green wind character is Prince Albert, who is freaking awesome. I actually, I love Prince Albert in that game. But yeah, the death of Lavitz was um, 
was one that was 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 definitely felt. And then just other moments from other series that I've already talked about, Metal Gear Solid 2, when you're in Arsenal gear as Raiden, and then the Colonel's freaking out, and you get like the fission mailed, and the, you've been playing this game too long, maybe you should turn it off. You know, you're getting all of these creepy communications on the codec with the Colonel, man. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, all that said, we're now getting into our top video game moments. Driz, start us off. What is your number one? I love this game that you're going to talk about. Let me just preface it with that. But well, what's your what's your game? What's your moment? So I, t- I, I was hoping I could figure out what moment I was going to pick when I started talking about this game, but I, I still don't think I can. It's Metal Gear Solid 4 uh, 2008. What was supposed to be the final wrap it up Metal Gear Solid story. And... I'm going to start this with a joke. Uh, It's not a joke. It really happened, but it was funny. It wasn't funny at the time, but it's funny now. So I had been playing Metal Gear Solid, every single Metal Gear Solid game leading up to this point. And I told my ex at the time, I was like, look, this game means a lot. I'm going to be playing this game while you're asleep. Like, not Metal Gear Solid 4. I'm going to play all the Metal Gears and Metal Gear Solids. I'm going to play those while you're asleep. When this game comes out, I'm going to be playing this game night and day. So I remember vividly, I'm at my parents' house. I'm playing Mega Solid 4. I think it was like chapter 3 or something. I'm in the middle of one of the 45-minute long cutscenes. And she comes in and she's like, Kevin, do you want to go uh, out to dinner this Friday? No date, nothing, just this Friday. Mind you, it's summer. As a kid in the summer, you have no idea what month, day, sometimes year it is. And I'm like... So I, I specifically said, what the hell is Friday? And she goes, my birthday. And she storms off. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, if she told me the day, I'd be like, oh, yeah, obviously. So uh, so that's that. But that was not my favorite moment. That's just a, a moment I love sharing. Uh, my favorite moment from Metal Gear Solid 4. Uh, I'm going to pick... Second place goes to the microwave scene at the very end when you're crawling through the microwave. It's such a powerful scene. Yeah, just spit like you you don't care if you know it's fruitless. You just want to match. And like the cutscenes going around, you see everyone else live going on while you're just crawling through, you're 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 setting on fire. But number one moment from Metal Gear Solid 4, chapter four, going back to Shadow Moses. Just reliving Metal Gear Solid 1. In Metal Gear Solid 4, you get to see all the flashbacks. Oh my goodness. It felt like you were playing Metal Gear Solid 1 again for the first time. You weren't expecting to go on back to Shadow Moses and seeing all the same stuff. You even had the surveillance camera. Like it was it was just such an amazing moment. And I love playing chapter four. I, I I'll play chapter four over and over again. I won't even play the rest of the game. I'll just play chapter four over and over again just to have Metal Gear Solid 1 again. So that's that's my number one gaming moment for sure. Dude, it's such a great moment. And I, when, when you're there in like the, the missile factory and you gotta, you're fighting the geckos and stuff, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's awesome. To, to go back into the spot where you took down Metal Gear Rex and then Vamp is there and man, oh my gosh. And then Naomi shows up with yeah. such a 
man, so much happening at one time going back to shadow Moses there. Um, and, and it, like you said, I do love when you can go into the certain hallways and kind of just relive those moments. Um, yeah, uh, dude, I, I love that. Yeah. You're solid for, um, especially chapter four, man. Yeah. That's great. Like it, it did such a great, he did such a great job with that game. And it, it sucks that he won't make another Metal Gear Solid, but to give us that, I am truly, truly thankful for that experience. Yeah. The Metal Gear Solids were all like, they had really good storylines. I, I loved to try to play them to kind of, you know, share the experiences with you too. Cause I knew you both liked it. Um, but whenever, you know, I was always a multiplayer guy. So whenever like MGO came out, that's when I was really excited. I was like, oh, cool. I can actually, you know, play something of the same game with them, even though if it's not the same story plot, it's not the same premise, but it's kind of the same premise. And I was kind of excited about that. I, I, I can remember about six cell phones ago. Um, Andrew and I had a text message chain about Metal Gear Solid 4. He's like, how do I get to learn more about the story? And with Metal Gear Solid 4, you could download the database. I was like, well, they have a database on there. You can read through it. And I remember Andrew sending me a text message that's like, this was before Too Long Didn't Read was like a thing on the internet. He was like, <laughs> this is too much information, bro. I can't do this. Because <laughs> he was texting me like, who Eva is? Where did Otacon come? It was like all of these questions about all of these players and all these characters characters and he's like yeah dude I, i'm not gonna sit and read all this stuff yeah, i mean I, I don't read books for fun why am i gonna read like some sort of backstory of three to four games worth and which i was asking about and legitimately but still you know I, I don't read i don't like reading give me videos audio well they give you plenty of videos about yourself for that's for sure uh, Andrew, what is, what is number one on your video game moments list? So, similar to Kevin's number three, pulling out a Legend of Zelda game. Legend of Zelda has always been one of my top, top franchises and series. And it, the the games from the original back in eighty five, eighty six, all the way up to Nintendo sixty four. They were just like, I played them. I played them all. I shared them with my dad. And my dad actually passed away around the time that we were playing Ocarina of Time together. So when Majora's Mask came out, that was the first one I could kind of play as a continuation of the memory. And like Kevin mentioned, whenever you open the door of time and you're actually, you change from, you know, being a kid to an adult that was itself its own powerful thing so whenever you got to play majora's mask and you're the kid again it was like oh is this what happened or could have happened between the seven years if that didn't uh if like the time jump didn't happen you know okay you already saved you saved the world and you're going back to being a kid again is this rewriting time like am i able to go through and actually live a new life for link and finding out like all, like you know honorable mentions like getting all the masks getting the god tier mode mask at the end those are all like great accomplishments but the very first time that you're running low on that three day countdown and everything starts getting drastic 
the 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 screen starts to darken or get a dark red around it. You can actually have a countdown of twelve hours above the, the top of the screen, and you get this like hurry up music. Like that was super impactful for me and uh, <laughs> the anxiety that I still carry to this day. Um, just trying to beat or complete any certain uh, gameplay that I'm trying to do on that day. Like, but the very first time that I came across it, oh man, I was freaking out. Like, what do you what? What do you mean? I I I was supposed to beat this game within quote unquote three days. Like what? How, how how am I supposed to do this? And then I realized, oh, you know, you can turn back time. Oh, okay. And then you you know that leads into all sorts of other like quests and masks and stuff that you can get later on. But the first time that I like really like I I wanted to try to carry on my dad's legacy and and um, pursue this game, and then I started realizing a panic of you know. Can I not do this? Like that, 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 that was a big, like, anxiety, but, you know, a fantastic game. Then that, that just really sticks with me. That's, that's the, the most impactful to me because, you know, that's pers- pushed me to pursue completing everything else and, like, trying not to be as anxious and completing more of the Legend of Zelda games. All right. Here we go. My number one. And th- spoiler alert, this game currently sits atop my favorite games of, of all time. If I had a Mount Rushmore of my top four games, this game is the George Washington face. It is number one. And I'm going with God of War 2018, an absolutely phenomenal game. I love it from start to finish, everything about it who Kratos is as a character playing with uh, your son Atreus in the game. What Sony Santa Monica did with, with this game as kind of a, a revamp of the series, the whole Norse mythology, absolutely just mind blowing. This is an incredible game and I'm going to spoil what I think is probably the best moment in the game. So if you guys know God of War in the series, your kind of more traditional weapon is the Blade of Chaos. The, you know, in the old school games, you have them on your back. It doesn't make any sense why they're on your back, even though you got chains around your, your wrists and arms. But um, you start this game with what is called the Leviathan, uh, I can't speak, the Leviathan Axe, which is a frost axe. And it's freaking awesome. The combat with this is incredible. You throw it, you can freeze enemies, you can freeze the little... Uh, like circular things around doors so that you can open gates and things like that. And the combat with it is, is fluid. You can do strong attacks. You can do light attacks. It is awesome. And you use this axe for like the first five or six hours in the games. You start unlocking abilities and things. It feels so cool. And if you had just this weapon throughout the entire game, I think it would have been absolutely fine because I really enjoy the combat with the axe. But through a story moment where your son falls ill and you have to travel to the Norse realm of hell and the this character that you have met a couple of times in the game called the Witch of the Woods is like, look, you're going to need to get a weapon that's not from here because hell in this universe is freezing ice cold your frost axe is useless and when she said that i knew exactly what was going to happen 
you go back to your house from the beginning of this game and you go pick up the Blades of Chaos. And it is, dude, the sequence of this is absolutely incredible because you're on this you're on this boat ride and it is intentionally slow. You just see the world around you is reacting to Atreus fallen ill because he's your son and you've not told him that he is part God. So he keeps thinking that he's mortal. He's having all of these like issues with dealing with the fact that he doesn't know that he's a God. So you're on the slow boat ride. You go back to your house, all this stuff's happening and the game knows just how sullen and sad that you feel. And you have, a cameo from Athena, who is your sister from the from the earlier series, and she's kind of taunting you. You go into the house and you pick up the Blades of Chaos. It is like perfectly acted. The, the guy, Christopher Judge, who is Kratos in this game, who does the, the mocap and the voiceover for Kratos, just perfectly acted scene. And Athena is there. She's taunting you. She's like, you think you're all of these things that, that you're... Um, a mentor and that you're, you're this great warrior. And then she, when she says father, he just freezes and he looks up at the screen and he's like, or, and then she says, you're a monster. And he's like, yeah, but I'm your monster no longer. And you walk outside your house and there's like a 400 person army of people that you just murder with the blades of chaos. And it is so freaking satisfying. It is one of the best moments I'm considering my favorite moment. It is my favorite moment in video games because the game knows how you feel. You're sad. You want to go help your son, but you also just want to freaking unleash and kick some ass. And man, do you ever, because the Blades of Chaos are just so awesome in this game. Um, So there it is. That is my top moment when you finally go and get the Blades of Chaos and God of War 2018. Absolutely phenomenal sequence. And so there it is. Those are our top 10 moments from all three of us. We've been recording for a while, but we just wanted to give you guys a little glimpse into the games that we love, the moments that have kind of shaped our gaming careers. Uh, Fellas, anything that you guys want to add? Any comments? Anything like that? Really just hope that, you know, you get a sense of who each of us are, how, you know, we all share kind of the same game same genre we we react the same way to most of the games but we also have our individuality where you know we've all like i'm pretty sure i can safely say we've all played these games we've mentioned each one of us but they may not be as important in our lives as they were to other people for various reasons each of us different but yeah yeah so i just hope that you know throughout this you can kind of figure out who we are and going forward you can kind of sense where we're coming from no absolutely because i mean we are different people different backgrounds different raisings but we all had that shared experience that shared feelings through each of these games Uh, some of them are shared games some of them are individual and just uh just coming together and getting a glimpse and insight as to what's impacted each of us more than the other, like that's, I I enjoyed it. So if you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate if you continue to listen. There will be more episodes and deep dives into video games and just random thoughts and questions like this from all three of us. We're 
mostly going to present different ideas and opinions and what we like and dislike. All opinions are accepted here. John, John, you didn't honorable mention Shinobi in your three jumps. I didn't. I should have mentioned that. It's one of my memorable moments uh, playing a video game with my dad. Um, was first time doing three successful wall jumps in Shinobi 3 way back on Sega Genesis. There we go. There's an honorable mention. Nailed it. So thank you guys so much for joining us. We will see you guys next week. See ya! Hey. Peace.